0: Hi friends, welcome to Loving Your Mind. I am your host, Kelly Carrion. Loving Your Mind is a podcast about all things related to mental wellness. I'm a journalist by trade, Latina, and also someone who has major depression disorder and anxiety. So I'm going to be sharing my own story, interviewing a lot of awesome experts and others about their own journeys regarding mental health. I hope you leave a little more informed and ready to take a hold of your own mental wellness. Happy healing. Hi friends, welcome to Loving Your Mind podcast. I am your host, Kelly Carrion. Today I am speaking to a friend of mine. Her name is Raquel Carrasquillo and she is a licensed therapist and a life coach in New Jersey and New York. And today's topic is mental health 101 we are going to be talking about some of the basics of mental health um, and some things that you need to know if you're starting off your journey. Hi, Raquel. How are you? Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm so excited um, to talk about this. This podcast was created uh, because of my own mental health journey. Um, So I kind of wanted to share the same uh, with a lot of people. Uh, And I know starting off uh just learning everything was really hard for me so i've kind of wanted to put it all in one place um and i think we can just start by a basic mental health 101 like what is mental health
1: yeah no i think this is such a great uh podcast idea i mean i think there's just it's so needed so i'm so happy that you decided to do this um Mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and our social well-being. You know, it affects how we think, how we feel, the way that we act. Um, And ultimately, it determines the way that we handle stress, um, how we manage interpersonal relationships, and how we make decisions.
0: So... When do you think, like, when someone feels like they're struggling or something's not right, something is different than what they're <laughs> normally used to, um, what mm-hmm. are some signs that you th- that you might need help or you might need to start looking out um, for a clinician or another doctor?
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, there's many, you know, reasons to seek out mental health support. Um, but I would say that one of the telltale signs is when you're noticing an area in your life is being disrupted, is compromised by your mental health symptoms. Um, so an example of that might be somebody who suddenly can't get out of bed, can't make it to work, is making it to work late, isn't able to function at school, um, you know, suddenly is isolating in relationships, and previously was not doing that. Or there's an increase in conflict in relationships, right? So those things would all lead to disrupting those areas um, as a result of of what's going on emotionally and psychologically.
0: So let's say me, I'm I'm not having a good time, and I can feel it. Um, what do you think is the first step for me? to look for, who to look for, should I do research online, Um, kind of what are the next steps after you have realized that you are in need of help?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, first, you know, I think admitting it is sometimes can even, even that can be a little hard, right? And I don't, I know you talked about your personal journey, um, and I speak to clients every day who have told me that they've been thinking about therapy for a very, very, very long time, you know, but it really takes like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm going to, for some people, right? And so I think um, if you're finding like you're jumping back and forth or you're very ambivalent about it, sometimes even telling somebody that you really love and that you know will support you through it can be helpful just to, you know, to say this is what I'm going through and I'm, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And sometimes even hearing someone who, you, who matters to you, tell you, like, yeah, no, that's a great idea, or that sounds like, you know, you do, you would um, benefit from getting some help, right? And then looking at um, whether, you know, you have insurance or you're going to pay out of pocket. I think that's a really, really big piece, right? Uh, there are so many fantastic directories out there for mental health uh, therapists, um, you know, psychiatrists. Uh, so there's also, there's looking at that, um, calling your insurance, obviously, if, if, if that's an option. Um, and also I would say, and this is something that I don't think people think about often, if you know someone who's in therapy and they're having a good experience, um, asking that person who they're seeing, how did they find them? Because I think that I I actually get referrals often that way from from clients that I've worked for with in the past. um, And they'll refer someone and they'll just be like, this person, you know, told me that you're great and whatever. So it could just, you know, that can be very comforting to be like, almost like, okay, this person's like vetted. Like I know that (laughs) they're doing some good work with my friend. No, for sure. I I Mm -hmm. definitely resonate with that.
0: Um, I think from my own experience, as I've said before, and I, I'm going to say throughout like a lot of episodes, is I'm very open about my experience. I'm very open about what I go through, and I do that because I know how important it is for people to hear it from someone you know, right? You can look at a million like mm-hmm. reviews online, but it's different when it's someone that you know and um, trust and believe mm-hmm. in. So I think that's very important um, and a great tip. Um, and so you were mentioning therapists and psychiatrists um is there like a first step to take like do you you know let's say you found a therapist you like um and you're like do Mm -hmm. I need medication or not Is, is that something that you should be discussing with your therapist or go to a psychiatrist first
1: you know I think it depends where you are I will say that right if you're if someone is really in distress, severe distress. Sometimes you just, we we just need immediate help and we need to talk to somebody and we might not be able to do the search online and the like finding a friend, right? You might just go to your, your, um, you know, your, your regular doctor, right? Um, and you and speak to them about it and tell them your symptoms um, and then kind of get the process going that way. Um, I've had a lot of clients that have taken that as a first step because they were just you know going through a depressive episode or something with more se- severity um, that was really difficult to manage. and so it might not make sense to see a therapist. Now I think so that's so I guess we can answer this kind of on a spectrum, right? If you're a person who's more like, yeah, I'm doing okay, but I do know that I have some things I want to work through or some things are coming up for me. Um, and you feel like you can take some time to do the research. Um, you can start with a the therapist. You know, I think that um all therapists are trained uh, to to pr- you know provide an intake, get a history on the client's uh, psychiatric history. um and all of us have a sense um because of our training on when someone's symptoms may be um, you know, severe enough that they could benefit from medication. So, in my consultations, if I meet someone, um, that's that's what I, I suggest. I actually recommend it, and I'll say to someone, you know, it probably would be helpful. Now, that's not saying that I'm telling someone to take medication because medication is fully a choice, but I may say I think speaking to a psychiatrist and being evaluated and hearing what they think, um, you know, this medical doctor of psychiatry can offer you probably some more insight on their recommendations. Um, and then that really, you know, allows the person to then decide. That's great advice.
0: Um, I think, so when I was starting off on my journey, looking for a therapist, it was really important for me to find a woman and talk to a woman, Mm -hmm. um, and also a woman of color. Um, Mm -hmm. For some people who might want to do the same or don't even know, like, what kinds of things they need to look for. Because I personally have felt throughout my journey that I had to find the right fit. There were, like, one or two therapists that I went to uh, and a psychologist that I went to that it was just not the right fit. I just didn't feel comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. So what do you recommend for people to look for maybe when they're doing their search?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um I think that you know I'm glad you're sharing that that you went to multiple people and you you really were looking for that fit um because I recommend that in consultations. I've had clients that have said to me and they've been very transparent, you know, I'm meeting with you today, but I'm going to meet with two or three other therapists in the rest of the week to get a sense. And I always I always think that's great. I mean, we offer um free consultations. Most I think every therapist is is you know, we we should be offering a free consultation. Um, and so that part of that is not just for you to sit there and hear the therapist, you know, speak necessarily about what's going on, what their specialty is, but also it's to ask questions, right? And to really see if, um, I don't know, if you're meeting with this person and do you even feel comfortable in like those first 10, 15 minutes of meeting with this person, because you're going to be doing that for 45 to 60 minutes, right? Once a week, <laughs> And you're going to be pouring your heart out. So, like, like almost like a vibe check. You know, do I like this vibe? Am I feeling it? Is this person making me feel comfortable? Because if you don't, actually, that's... It doesn't have to have an explanation attached. You don't need to meet with that person again. You may not be able to pinpoint it. Um, so I always think what, what you did is great. Like, m- make several consultations. Um, you know, three or four. And you know you may really like the first one and say kind of really leaning to this and you can tell the therapist that i'm leaning toward working with you and i really liked, you know our time together but i just want to check one or two more people and see um yeah and then asking the questions i think asking questions about specialties about their approach the demographic that they serve um cultural competency is really important right if you're looking for someone who understands um, you know, your background, your culture, your experiences.
0: Even language, right? I, I think I, there's some things that I, I, I'm being Hispanic that I wanted to express and I didn't find the the right word in English. And I would tell my therapist in Spanish and mm-hmm. it was just not this whole thing of like, what does that mean? It was just like, it was understood. And you're like,
1: yeah, the, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it is, it is. It's, um, it's, it's just also very comforting, right? For someone to, be like, "Oh no, I get it. Like you don't have to necessarily go into a story for 20 minutes of your session to explain why, you know, something is very, you know, I- exclusive to, you know, Latino culture, let's say." So, yes, like you um, like, like like that experience. I think I think everyone should should try to to do that if they can. Yeah, do their research. So,
0: I a lot of people that I've talked to, I think a big fear is going to their first session. Right. And some, some of my friends are like, I don't really want, I don't know this person, so I don't want to pour my soul out, you know, in this first hour. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what's, you know, some people think they're like, I'm going to go there and I have to like open up and I'm not a person to open up. So it's going to be, hard, so I don't want to yeah. do it. Um, so what can mm-hmm. a, a person kind of expect in the first session? Um, like what they're walking into. Obviously everyone's different, but kind of like an overview.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, um, one piece that is really helpful for, I think for clients and I think it's equally helpful for therapists is if you're transparent about how you're feeling now for session, you know, you might, I've had clients that have said like, I'm so nervous right now. And, I don't really know what to say and, like, I don't even know where to begin, you know, so that also helps um, me guide the session a little bit more, right, than maybe I I might traditionally do, right, Um, and also just to make someone feel comfortable and safe and like, you know, like, yeah, no, I get it, but also the first session, a lot of the times, you know, you're going over, depends on the therapist, but you might be going over some of the Um, questions from the intake, right, uh, that were completed, um, policies, practice policies, things like that. Um, So that might be some of the beginning of, you know, that that first session. Um, And then, you know, usually you you can rely on the therapist asking some questions that will help to open up conversations. So... Um, if someone's fearful that they're just going to sit there in silence, <laughs> that probably won't happen on a first session. That is a fear sometimes. <laughs> um, if, you know, you're, most therapists will motivate or try to guide you to open up, right? Particularly if they're seeing a pattern and someone is showing up and they're just like quiet, um, something else is going on. But I think for the first couple sessions, it's also understandable. Um, And I know that when I meet with someone who's never been in therapy, I have that very much at the, you know, top of mind to, to keep, to keep kind of the conversation going if it, if it's not.
0: I think another thing that I've, I encountered while going through therapy is just all these like acronyms for things, right? We got EMDR and CBT and all this stuff. And there's so Mm -hmm. many ways of therapy. And I know that we can't sit here and kind of go through all of them, but maybe some of the most Mm -hmm. common uh, forms of therapy that a therapist is licensed for. um, I know that starting off, Mm -hmm. a lot of people that I went to um, did CBT and I guess explain what that is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So most, most therapists uh, you know, I'm gonna say most. Uh, we we get some training in C B T and then cognitive behavioral therapy and then some um therapists then take, you know, a special a course or specialize further in CBT. Um, you know, we use uh evidence-based practice practices, right? Modalities. So um there's evidence, there's a lot of research for C B T being effective and so that's why it's so widely used. Um, the idea is you know we're looking at thoughts that we're having that you're having and and we're kind of breaking them down as you know how rational and how probable are these thoughts, right and how realistic is this um, from happening right? It's it, it works a lot. I mean, I happen to specialize with clients with anxiety disorders. so I have a lot of clients that are um, you know, Exhibiting like catastrophizing, which I think you can do if you're anxious or not, if you have anxiety or not, but are kind of getting into these very catastrophic scenarios, right? And (laughs) thinking about these these things that are going to happen that are um, tragic, and often don't happen, right? So part of what I do is I ask about the thought, and you know we talk about where the thought is coming from, um, and then we actually try to almost like build a case, you know, for evidence of, you know, is there evidence to to say that this is realistic, right? Or is there evidence to actually prove um, and challenge that thought, right? To, to, to challenge that that's not likely going to happen. Um, and then I often engage also in like, and if it did happen, then what, Right. So a part of it is really um, is that, you know, when we get anxious or or in, you know, depression and other um, mental health disorders, uh, we can really spiral into this thinking that's very negative, Um, you know, and it kind of takes off and takes a life of its own. Right. So part of it is like creating this stop um, and this this method of almost like assessing the thought and breaking the thought down. Um, and then ultimately replacing these thoughts with a more positive way of thinking. So, you know, I do a lot of reframing when I'm when i working with clients, um, you know, who are exhibiting this kind of thinking, and reframing to a more positive thought or why something happened. And you know, it's not necessarily like a silver lining because I know there's not oh that that's not what this is about. This is more about You know, what something positive that we could kind of flip, you know, the thinking to, right? Um, So it's, it takes practice, but, um, you know, I I think it's very effective.
0: And and one thing that definitely, like, just being in therapy and my therapist helped me with is she even identified, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, you might need to go to someone who specializes more in, like, trauma and do maybe do EMDR. So I think. That's also important mm-hmm. that, you know, even if the therapist that you're with, they, they don't have that skill mm-hmm. or, you know, that training yeah. that there's always, yeah. you know, other options. And I was very surprised because when I told my therapist, I'm like, you know, I I, I don't want to leave you for a little bit, but I think EMDR is going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, my goal is to make you feel better. And if you want to come back after, like, that's totally fine. So, um, so that was very helpful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, 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 you know, I think that as therapists, we, we know our limitations, you know, it's really important that we're clear on when we're not the best fit for someone, or like you just said, when, um, when what someone needs is a little outside of our wheelhouse, right? Um, so it sounds like you went back to her and you, <laughs> you still have a relationship with her, which is amazing. But, um, but yeah, just her identifying like this is probably going to speed up um your processing and speed up you know the the working through and the healing right um in a way that she didn't feel like traditional talk therapy would do
0: definitely and it honestly it was super helpful I I didn't do it that much um EMDR but it was uh it like helped me open a lot of stuff that then I went back to her and I'm like, I was so aware of other things that it was, it was helpful to, to navigate that um, Mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, And I, I guess I also wanted to talk, talk about just like, I think before even going to therapy, I thought my, I thought my thoughts were real, right? Like (laughs) that. uh, And um, I think explain a little bit how maybe like a thought is what's causing a feeling and then it kind of becomes like a cycle and then behavior or, um, I think it's a little bit about that. Cause I think that was very important for me to realize that a thought is just a thought and it's not like reality.
1: Yeah. No. Um, you know, I think that that is something that's hard to some, to, to kind of, you know, t- take apart and detangle. Um, because a lot of the times, when we've been thinking a certain way and really re- being reactive and responding to that thought for so many years, um, it's just like it's real, right? That's that's what feels real. Um, but obviously, um, part of, of of therapy is starting to create almost like that distance between what goes on in our minds and what's actually happening. Um, You know, and and also that's almost like that that, um, creating that space between the thought and your decision to react or behave a certain way as a result of the thought. So, um, yes, we have a thought, you know, and then that thought leads us to feel a certain way. Um, You know, so if I suddenly have a thought and I'm feeling, you know, I'm not good enough. X, Y, Z, um, I just might start to feel really bad about myself. And then as a result of feeling really bad about myself, um, I might get a call from my boss and immediately I'm like, I'm getting fired because that's just where my mind's going to go. And I could be like a top performer, mm-hmm. but that's just where it goes, right? Like, that's it. You know, and he's like, can you please come to my office? I need to talk oh to God. you. And immediately, right, I'm going to break out into a sweat. <laughs> and I'm going to have all kinds of physical sensations going on. And none of, literally none of that is happening, right? And then you go into the office and you're like, you know, getting an award or something. <laughs> like, oh. So, and <laughs> or recognition, right? But, and, and I know it sounds, you know, we're talking about this in, it might sound even like a funny scenario, but I hear it a lot. It's such a common thing where we just take this thought and we go, you know, to this really um, negative place with it. And again, that's where what we were talking about before. Really like looking at where is there evidence to prove that this is even real, right? Like taking that minute to be like, okay, hold on. Here comes... My imposter syndrome, or here comes my, you know, some people name the voice <laughs> something, right? Sometimes in therapy, they'll tell you to name it something um, that's showing up. You know, almost like it's like a lo- like a negative person is showing up, you know, to your door, and you're gonna recognize that, like, that's not that has nothing to do with me. Um, or a lot of what I do, you know, I work a lot with clients around inner child healing. And so we recognize that maybe that voice is our inner child, right? So it's like little Raquel or little Kelly that's showing up and is feeling some type of way, you know, and you kind of got to talk to her and be like, no, that's not personal or whatever, right? So, um, so, so these are all, uh, these are all examples of, of what can happen and, how they can kind of take over, how this thought can take over.
0: Yeah. I think bringing up the inner child uh, scenarios its it was so healing for me because I, n- I never really thought about it. And now, you know, I think you when you're a child, you have these ways to cope with things um, that sometimes you kind of just carry through your whole life until you're an adult. And it might have served you as a child, but as an adult, it doesn't serve you the same way. Um, so I think that's super important. I personally, um, hug her all the time and I do that by hugging myself. (laughs) So, and to like calm down and I just think I'm like, I'm, I'm reparenting her. I'm like helping her be better. And that kind of helps me be better as an adult. So I love that concept. I think it's great. Um, and so along with, you know, therapy, um, are there other things that you, that you recommend, you know, people who are interested in, like, I know I became really interested in like just reading different books and listening to different podcasts. And like, do you think there are things that can go along with therapy
1: that might help like
0: speed up the process or just learn different things?
1: Uh, There's a lot of things. I mean, um, I think, you know, if you like to read, there's so many books You know, I think so you kind of got to think about your interests and what your thing is, right? I have some clients that I recommend books to, and they're like, I never open the book. I just don't read. It's not my thing, right? So (laughs) you want to kind of think of like, are you a person who likes to listen in the car while you're driving a podcast? Um, You know, so obviously mental health related or it could be very specific to, you know, inner child healing. Um, It could be very specific to, you know, mental health in the Latinx community, so, you know, there's so many resources right now, there's so many Instagram pages that are fantastic um, to follow, so people who are really big on social media, you know, just kind of getting these, like, daily um, reminders and daily resources and tools that you can use, right, because there's so many wonderful therapists that share um, some, you know, tools that you can use, so these are all ways that I think can um, accompany you know, therapy and kind of emphasize, emphasize it for you and give you those little um, reminders that you might need. Um, I think, you know, I talk to clients a lot about mindfulness, meditation, um, and practicing, you know, creating a practice in their life. For me, that really uh, changed my life. And so it's a tool that you know, I see a lot of value in. And so I try to talk about its importance in sessions. And I always tell clients again, because I work with a lot of clients who, who suffer with anxiety, um, of the ways to use, you know, diaphragmatic breathing, for example. Um, you know, it literally sends a signal to the brain that you're safe and it calms the nervous system. It's, something that you can do in, like, a bathroom stall. You can do it at your desk. You know, you can do it before you have to do a presentation. I mean, there's so many ways to to do that. And so a lot of nervous system healing work um, is what I, I talk about with my clients. Um, you know, I always tell people this is, like, funny to think of, like, jumping in a cold shower, but the, what cold showers do to you, right? Um, and how they actually bring the nervous system back to a regulated state, putting your hands in ice cubes, right? Or, or even putting like a towel in ice cubes and putting it on your forehead when you're really rubbed up and you're really stressed and anxious. So there are actual like things, physical things that we can do to regulate our nervous system. We can People can look more into that. Um, there was something that was popping into my mind and it, and it popped out um but so 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 oh using our senses so with mindfulness a lot of it mm-hmm. you know and the reason i use this particularly with people who have anxiety though it can be used for people suffering with depression and other disorders is that the idea is getting to the pr- present moment right so really grounding yourself in what's happening right here right now because usually right here right now is safe there's we're not in danger there's nothing really happening Um, so like you said, it's the thought that's creating this nervous system response where we're feeling suddenly like we're threatened, right? Or we're being triggered back to a moment where something unsafe was happening. So by coming back to the moment, you're really able to like remind yourself and feel, you know, feel regulated. But part of the way to do that is to use the senses, you know, so that's part of the reason people love to cook. Right, they like to do something that they're really focused on. You know, they're stirring the pot, they're smelling all the things. Right? Um, maybe you're calculating great you're smelling the burning <laughs> of the food, whatever it is. But the idea is you're using multiple <laughs> senses and you're really focused. Right? The brain is not able to focus on that and you know all the triggering stuff. Right? So it's gonna really get. Um, And you're gonna feel much more soothed, relaxed. Um, People using walks, you know, you can use a walk and say, like, let me look at five things I can see, you know, four things that I can touch, three things that I can smell, right? Like, so there's different exercises to use the senses, um, but really we can do anything mindfully. We can eat mindfully, we can drink a cup of coffee mindfully, uh, really savor it, really taste it I mean I, I know many of us don't I don't I'm you know running around and like throwing it back but the idea right is, is to really <laughs> is to really be more in the moment so be intentional that's the word um so I always I always recommend that um, as something that I think can accompany you know psychotherapy yeah that's mindfulness is
0: it's it was definitely hard for me at first, but now I think now that I everything I do, I'm like I'm doing this because mm-hmm. I always thought I was a multitasker, right? <laughs> I'm like I can do five things at once, and when someone told me that we can't physically, <laughs> biologically do that, that we just yeah. our brain just moves really quickly, I was like. Yeah, it, My life is a lie. <laughs> um, so I like, I noticed that now that I'm like, I'm, I'm eating, but then I'm doing this and it's like my brain switching on and off. So mindfulness definitely helped yeah. with that um, concept. And yeah, like cold, I don't take cold showers, but I, I used to dip my mm-hmm. face in ice cold water and mm-hmm. it like shocked mm-hmm. me. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm totally fine. Um, but no, thank you for that. Um, and I think since, you know, we're both Latinas, um, I think it's, it's important to kind of talk about a little bit about, um, our community and sometimes how it's, it's hard to talk about mental health and talk about seeking therapy. Um, I don't know if, if a lot of your clients are Hispanic, like in a sense, like, what do you think, um. Is, is hard for people when they are of that of that culture to kind of open up. Yeah, about.
1: Um, they are majority, yes, predominantly. Um, you know, I, I I really feel proud of that piece because that was part of the reason I wanted to uh, start a practice was to serve my community and serve people of color, um, and I do. Um, what are some of the things that are most challenging? Um. Probably like intergenerational trauma, intergenerational cycles, I would say that um, are so hard to break because they're so ingrained in, you know, in, in what we do and the way that our family operates, you know, our mom does it and our grandma does it and all the women in the family do it, right? So we, as a result, are doing it, but we're also noticing it's not serving us. And so sometimes deciding to break that cycle, you know, we individually can say, I'm going to break this cycle. I know that I don't want to, you know, take this message that I need to be married to be happy or, you know, to be feel completed or something. But then you individually can decide that and, and choose to live your life that way. But often I think the challenge comes with the backlash of your family at the parties and your mom being worried, right? Because you're a single woman and are you going to be okay? And all the And so it then comes with a lot of managing that and figuring out, you know, how do I break this cycle while also remaining, you know, in good relationships and, and and happy you know relationships with my family and sometimes we have to set really strict boundaries and sometimes we realize some people are toxic and then we have to make other decisions so that that's I would say that's one of the bigger uh, things and I see it with men and women but um that example just came to mind but yeah I would say that's a big one
0: yeah, for sure. I, I could definitely relate to that. And I think I was having a conversation with my mom and she was talking about something and I, I got triggered and I, I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot for me to handle. I'm the one who's breaking the generational trauma. And she didn't, she was like, what, Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. Nice. But <laughs> I think us learning is also teaching yeah. them a little bit. Um, so she's like now more accepting mm-hmm. of me going to therapy and she's even thought about it herself. So I'm like, I, you know, it, it took a lot for us to get there, but, um, yeah, no, we helpful, do. You know, so. I,
1: feel, I think that's a common experience of of feeling like you're the first one. So there is that fear and all the stuff that comes with it. Um, But ultimately, I've had this experience a lot. I've seen it happen a lot with other, maybe not parents, but sometimes cousins or siblings or other people um, that, you know, my clients are like, I never thought this person would consider. But often, it's a result of um, seeing you and your improvement and your changes and how happy you are and the way you're living your life. And so people start to say, like, what is she doing? Like, what is... What's going on? You know, with Kelly, she's so
0: happy. It's This magical thing, therapy. <laughs> yeah, and then people want
1: some of that. So, sure. yeah, that's a that's a great it's a great example. Um, but no, it's it's tough, right? And, and part of also the tools, you know, part of of what you're doing in therapy is learning compa- to have more compassion, right? Compassion for yourself, and also compassion for your mom and other individuals, right? So family members. um, And sometimes what we actually are doing with that compassion is we're just holding compassion for the person, right? Like they may not be possible. They may not be able or capable of going to therapy or working on that really severe trauma, you know, or experience they had. Um, And so we can both, we can have both we can hold boundaries with that person and be like, I'm not gonna let this person really cross this line, right? Or this is not an area that's up for discussion. Um, while still holding compassion for this is what my mother grew up in. And I understand, you know, I have I have I have this this love for her despite you know, despite anything that happened in the relationship.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see your parents as as people. Um, I think that's something I definitely have learned that as I'm doing the best that I can, she did the best that she could with the tools that she had. Um, So coming to that realization was hard, but um, I also wanted to touch on one more thing. Um, So Mm -hmm. you're a licensed therapist and a coach, you know, what, what might be the difference and, and if I'm looking at like, Ooh, like maybe I would need more of a coaching than, than therapy, um, or both. I'm like, I have you all in one. So how do, <laughs> um, what, what might be the difference or just, you know, or doing yeah, both at the same Yeah. I
1: think that's a really common question. Um, because I do think that we are seeing a lot more, uh, coaching, you know, services being offered. Um, and so, Yeah, you know, sometimes I think people are like, maybe I don't need to go to therapy. And also I think sometimes therapy can feel like a little scary. So it can be like, maybe I'll just skip that and go to (laughs) coaching. Um, I would say, I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to start either um, or with regard to beginning one over the other. Um, But obviously there's going to be limitations with what you're going to do with, let's say, coaching coaching. Um, and and therapy so for example if there's clinical symptoms which we talked about a little bit in 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 the beginning right Um, these these symptoms that are disrupting an area of of, of a person's life um, certainly what we know what we know like our biological symptoms right like changes in sleep pattern changes in appetite and weight loss or weight gain um you know a lot of feeling really sad or feeling really fearful suddenly right um those kinds of things i think you you know it would be best to address clinical symptoms um it would be appropriate to address clinical symptoms with a therapist or a mental health provider um So that, I would say, that's like if we're talking a little bit more severe case, right? Um, I think what I hear a lot with people is like with personal development. I want to work on, you know, personal development. And so that's where sometimes the question is like a coach or a therapist. Um, Therapist, obviously, you know, we have clinical training, but we can also work on setting goals and holding your clients accountable, right? And so that's something that you can very much do in personal development, um, you know, in in accomplishing certain things or setting certain ambitions. Um, I think where you might see, I I think a drawback um, can be if you're working towards something in personal development and you're finding there's barriers That are rooted in trauma. So that's where if you have a therapist and coach, you know, this person will feel you're going to and you're probably going to get the benefit of this person being able to really um, get deeper on what's in the way. Right. So, yes, we're doing the coaching piece, but then we can also do some of the, you know, uh, like breaking down of of the trauma. Right. Understanding what's going on, working on the healing of it. Um, And then go back to this, you know, personal development piece. Um, So sometimes we don't know that, right? Sometimes we don't know that something that's holding me back is rooted in something, in an experience that happened many years ago. Um, So I think it's, it's really, I think a personal choice. I would say, be very clear on what it is you're looking for. So, you know, I want to work on X, Y, Z, and then again, similar to what I mentioned earlier about the consultations with therapists, I would ask some questions in these calls um, to either a coach or a therapist, just to get a you know a general understanding of, you know, if we hit this this barrier, how how would we manage that, um, that kind of thing. Um, but I have many clients who. Um, have worked with coaches before and have had great experiences you know and I've, I know several coaches that are fantastic. so it's not to say you know they're, they're diff- there's different things that you're that are being offered. There's different services. Um, but what we're seeing a lot now is that therapists are also offering coaching services. So that's where um, I guess the benefit can be like you can get a little bit of both, right?
0: Definitely learn from two different things, Um, but yeah, it's it's so crazy. There's so many, so much to unpack in a human, right? Um, That you might not even thought you had all this rooted stuff that was preventing you, and you thought Mm -hmm. you were just lazy, and you know. So I think that's that's great to um, talk about that. But so I wanted to thank you um, for this awesome conversation. Um, I hope people learned a lot um, and. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, and I don't know if you want to share your Instagram or anything, if people want to follow you or learn more about, um, about you and just. Uh,
1: it's at Raquel's Coaching. And um, my website is there, RaquelKeresGio.com, which says a little bit more about my services. So, I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, no,
0: I appreciate you having this conversation. I know it's hard for some people to go out and seek help, and you know if they need it. So I'm glad that we touch on a lot of different things.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And thank you for doing this as a Latina. I think it's so uh, important. You know, like you mentioned, it's there's a lot of there are a lot of challenges, and um, you know, mental health is is stigmatized, right, in our community. I think it's getting better. And I think part of what you're doing here is trying to normalize it, um, you know, and just make it really clear that we're human and this is needed and this is important. And, um, yeah, so I thank you for that.
0: Make sure to tune in next time for more discussions on mental wellness. We're going to have a wide range of topics, so happy healing, friends.